Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have a bit of a different show. We have our Ask Me Anything episode today. So these are questions that I have been provided by you as the listeners or um, along the way, along the journey um, in our day-to-day practice that I want to provide answers to you for in a quick podcast session. So today, I'll run through a few and we will be integrating this into our podcast from time to time. Now, if you have a question that you'd like me to answer, then please send it to us at podcasts at aspectlegal.com.au and we'll put that link in the show notes. Now, here we go with a very quick session. This is an Ask Me Anything segment. So Cameron Ryan, take it away. Ask me anything. So the first one is in relation to staff entitlements, so accrued personal leave, annual leave, long service leave. It often seems to be a contentious point for both buyer and seller uh, when adjusting for this at settlement. What do you feel is fair and reasonable um, and what's the best way to handle and adjust for these? Yeah, I mean, what a contentious area this is. Um, And it's a tricky one because uh, I think, you know, most sellers go to market understanding that they'll have uh, entitlements that they'll need to pay out. But do you know what? I get sellers, I've actually had quite a few in the last few weeks who've come in thinking that a buyer will happily um, take on the liability of all of the the entitlements without there being an adjustment. So we all know the real world is buyers don't want to take on the liability of entitlements without there being an adjustment. And of course, the buyers can have, um, if they're in a business sale environment, have the opportunity to make a decision um, as to whether or not they recognise service or not recognise service. And that um, and and that has different consequences in relation to um what the seller must do in in terms of the entitlements that they need to pay out at completion. But effectively, you've got two options. Um, Sellers can pay out the staff the entitlements um, at completion or they can adjust for it to the buyer. Um, Generally speaking, our, um, our annual leave is pretty straightforward. That's something that is calculated as it is, except with a tax deduction, and this is where there's often a little bit of misunderstanding, the, the standard contracts for each state have a provision for um, a 70% calculation, um, depending on which state you are. Some Sometimes it's 72.5%, and that's to take into account um, the differing uh, uh, tax rates applicable to businesses, um, but generally speaking, it will be 72.5% um, to recognise the standard tax rate of businesses. And that's why we have that sort of reduction applied. It's just connected to tax. So, so, But generally speaking, our approach to annual leave is fairly non-contentious. Um, long service leave that has triggered where the liability has triggered is generally non-contentious because that's 
um, a liability that employers understand they have to pay out. The bit that can be a little bit tricky is the um, long service leave entitlement total for for that for staff who have not hit the long service leave point or and personal leave. So they're these two areas that are a little bit tricky because there's no absolute approach. Um, and you know it really is a potential source of negotiation. Um, many vendors are um, or sellers, uh, depending on the terminology that you use in your state which is another funny thing. Isn't that funny that there's different term- terminology in different states, buyers, sellers, vendors, purchasers? Anyway, let's leave that alone. Um, many vendors, many sellers want to ensure that they see a buyer taking on personal leave entitlement. So they'll want um, they'll want the uh, buyers to recognise leave. They'll want the buyers to take on um, the personal leave entitlements. Um, but then there is still this question about um, whether that should be calculated at the full um, amount of personal leave that's sitting there or if it could should be reduced. And, and the argument behind why it should be reduced is that it's a contingent liability in that we don't know for sure that staff will take out um, it will take all of their personal leave. And, and some organisations where staff have accrued a massive bank of personal leave are obviously indicating that there are organisations in which staff are not generally always uh, taking all of their personal leave. And, of course, we know that when staff leave, um, they don't have that personal leave paid out. So from a seller's perspective, if they are wanting a, a buyer to take on the personal leave but they feel that this personal leave total is contingent, then usually what we see is a negotiation in relation to the amount that they will pay. So, for example, they might negotiate that they pay 35% of the value of the personal leave entitlements or 25% of the personal leave entitlements. And that generally um, is a point of negotiation between the parties. But it's interesting between states because we deal uh, very regularly in New South Wales, Victoria, um, and Queensland and, and other states as well, but most particularly those three states. And the funny thing is the state, um, the, the standard contracts in each state are actually different in terms of how they deal with that, which I think is hilarious because we're talking about, you, you, you know, documents that you would think would be consistent between states. But actually, they're not. Um, so in some states, there's a the, the standard form terms will actually always include a uh, reduction of thirty five percent. For example, in other states, there's nothing. So you you know it's um it's an interesting field, Cameron. Very very interesting question to ask. <laughs> there's no absolute answer that, but the answer is that there's no absolute answer. But the you need people on your side who understand what they're negotiating uh, because it's a tricky area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I refer to a, a recent settlement um, and, yeah, it came down to negotiation. But the, the purchaser, I think, rightfully wanted personal leave adjusted in full um, with that allowance for the tax benefit that might be achieved. So instead of a 35% adjustment for personal leave, she wanted the full 70%, mainly because of the threat of COVID and flu that's going around. Um, she thought, you know, the day after taking ownership of this business, a staff member may well um, call in the two weeks of personal leave that they have accrued. 
Um, and, you know, she might be out of pocket if there was only an adjustment for half of that. Um, so it, it came down to negotiation. So um, true. It's so true. But then sitting on the on the seller's side of the fence, you know, the reality is if if there's banked personal leave, the likelihood that all of the staff are going to take 100% of their personal leave is quite low. So it's this, um, it's this negotiation then that has to go on, you know. I personally see meet in the middle, a 50-50 split um, is a reasonable outcome for both buyer and seller. Yeah, yeah. In good news, it doesn't seem to be a huge sticking point generally. Um, and it doesn't come up as often as I would think it would. So it's interesting, actually. Um, fabulous. Okay, well, how about you head on to your second question? Yeah, so second question is not so much legally related, but I imagine you and your team have dealt with several business brokers on a variety of transactions. Um, as the lawyer acting for either the buyer or the seller in a transaction, uh, what can business brokers do and or provide to make the transaction more seamless uh, and therefore more likely to reach settlement? Yeah, really, really, really good question. Um, it's such a good question, actually. Um, and, and I think a lot, I, I think long and hard about processes in in this area because, you know, my my big thing is I really love to build a great, a solid process in this area and keep refining it over time to make it quicker, easier, less likely to be hurdles along the way. Um, and and I, I think there's a few key things. Um, so we have really tight turnarounds from a client coming on board um, and providing us all of the information that we need to prepare a contract and getting the contract out. So in micro deals, what I call micro deals, so under the $1 million space, we generally have a 24-hour turnaround between getting instruction, getting our, um, uh, get, getting our draft contract out. But the problem is what that requires is for the seller or, or the broker on behalf of the seller to provide us all of the information that we require for the compilation of the contract. Now, we have a really clear list information sheet that um, contains all of the information that we need to compile a contract. And if anyone is interested in it, um, we'll put a link in our show notes to a way that you can get a copy of that list if you're interested. Um, but what we find is that um, some sellers, and you must have this experience as well de- dealing with sellers, some sellers um, take an inordinately long amount of time um, to actually provide that information. And that slows down the whole process. You know, it slows us down. Um, and I hate that because I like to deliver fast. <laughs> you know, I love I love it when we can go from, you know, a really organised um seller who can provide all of the information immediately. We can whiz through contract preparation, get them in to to review it, get it out to the other side. And, um, you know, there's times that we'll have sellers who'll be able to provide that information quickly. But I I must say, in many instances, there's this there's a real delay in the provision of information. And, you know, I know when we're acting by side and conducting due diligence that quite often vendors are dealing with their buyers in the same way. You know, they're, they're dragging out, you know, the provision of information. So what can brokers do? Number one, absolutely know what it is the, the lawyers are going to need to put in the contract and make sure the sellers are um, armed in advance with that so they know what's going to be asked of them. They'll know what information is going to be needed for the contract so that when you get 
um, and it, it, when you get a deal agreed between buyer and seller, you can come to us and or, or your lawyer, whatever, but you have all of the information that's needed for your solicitors to jump on board Get that contract together and get it out. As I say, we can, you know, for micro deals, we can do that in 24 hours, but we need the contract. We need the information um, there in the first place. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing that um, I would mention here is, um, is sort of priming the buyer and seller as to how to appoint lawyers who understand business sale and acquisition transactions uh, because uh, one of our key frustrations is when we're dealing with a party uh, on the other side, so a lawyer on a legal team on the other side that hasn't dealt with this area um, very much before and, and, you know, hasn't dealt with this area much before um, or is really slow. That's another problem. And I really think that, um, you know, if buyers and sellers understand that it's going to cost them more and it's going to be a lot slower deal and 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 more painful deal for them if they're not super careful about the appointment of um, their transaction advisors, in particular their lawyers, but also their accountants, if accountants are going to be a key part of the process. I think I think that is critical. So brokers having that early discussion with their buyers and sellers, making them absolutely clear that, you know, not all commercial lawyers do do business sale and acquisition transactions all day, every day. In fact, very few of them do. You know, that's the reality. Um, So the buyers and sellers need to know what they're looking for when they're appointing a lawyer. They need to be appointing legal teams who've done it many, many times before and have systems and processes behind them in order to move quickly. I reckon that's my top two areas. Cameron, <laughs> does that help? Yeah, I I guess it um, it just reinforces, I guess, my um, opinion on it or my thoughts uh, as to how you might answer the question. Uh, I completely agree that you've got to have all the information um, readily available and I would also like to think by the time it actually gets to you guys as the lawyers, um, there should be a good heads of agreement in place with all the supporting documents so that you guys can just get on with preparing the contract of sale and everything's been provided. That's absolutely right. Now, now I tell you what, matters like that are a dream because we can just, we can get in, we run our searches, we draft the contract, we get the client in, we go through it, we get it out to the other side and boom, we can ride that wave of enthusiasm of the buyer without us, you know, entering into this sort of deal fatigue area that, you know, getting to contract stage can sometimes create. (laughs) <laughs> it's hugely important to keep that that um, that wave of enthusiasm going. Um, when it starts to wane, and when you start to um, yeah stretch the transaction out, and uh, yeah maybe one lawyer is not um, pulling their weight or doing their part, uh, a transaction can fall apart very quickly. Oh, absolutely, ride the deal momentum. That's what we say. Yeah, <laughs> Cameron, huge thank you. Thanks for coming on today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's it for our Ask Me Anything episode today. I hope you found that useful. Now, we've got a few more of these style podcasts coming up soon. I find it invaluable to be able to answer these top of mind questions, whether they're from our guests, our audience, or our client. Now, if you have a specific topic or question that you'd like us to discuss, then submit your Ask Me Anything questions to podcast at aspectlegal.com. 
www.thrivingmomcoaching.com.au or check out the show notes to this episode where we will link right through to an email for you to submit to submit your Ask Me Anything questions. And an important reminder that if you would like any legal assistance with matters that you're working on at the moment, then don't forget you can book in for an initial free call directly with our legal eagles at Aspect Legal by heading to our homepage at aspectlegal.com.au. Well, that's it for me today. My name is Joanna Oki, and you've been listening to another wonderful episode of our podcast, proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. I am so very excited to announce that I've hit a non-podcast related milestone and released a book. You might wonder why? Simple. I wanted to help business owners understand the mechanics of deal making and the interaction between three critical phases of business, acquisition, growth, and exit. And so I am very happy to announce Buy, Grow, Exit, a guidebook for business owners and their advisors on how to buy, grow, and guess what, exit in a way that maximizes value and avoids landmines along the way. The book is available now, so just head over to buygrowexit.com.au to get your copy and to access a whole heap of free resources that will really help you on your journey of acquisition, growth, and exit in your business or in working with your clients. Also check out our show notes where we will link straight through to that page. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 